The sermon today comes from Mark chapter 8, the first 10 verses, as we continue in this journey of Mark's gospel. Um, I have a friend, Wade. Wade has been here to worship several times. He was actually my campus minister when I was in school at Ole Miss, but now he's one of my dearest friends in the whole wide world. And one of the things about Wade is that he always seems to run into celebrities. It doesn't matter where he goes. He's just going to run into somebody famous. And when he runs into somebody famous, he's like, I'm going to go get my picture made with that person. And we're like, no way, don't bother that person. That person's just trying to have a normal day like the rest of us. He's like, no, I'm going to go get my picture made. And so he always goes over to these famous people and he always asks them to make a picture with him. And some of them are really nice and accommodating. And so he's got, I was sending him a text and told him I was going to be talking about him today. And he just starts forwarding me all these pictures of all these celebrities that he's He's gotten his picture made with, and so many of them were nice and accommodating and willing to take a picture with him, but there have been a few that were not as nice, not as accommodating. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman being one, you know, the voice of God, he, he refuses to have his picture made with, with Wade. Now, um, he's an Ole Miss fan, he's at all the ball games, so I'm willing to let Morgan slide. I mean, he's a good guy. He just knows that he takes a picture with Wade. He's got to take a picture with everybody, and he just wants to enjoy the games. Um, Now, Ashley Judd is another one that refused to have her picture made with Wade. She's a Kentucky fan, so I really don't care about her. We can throw her under the bus, right, during the sermon. But there are just some people that, that, that just don't like being the center of attention, you know. They, they, they enter into a public place and everybody wants to come around them and everybody wants their picture made and everybody wants an autograph and, and, and they just don't want to do that. They just like to be able to watch a game or attend a show in peace. Now... Jesus is accustomed to being around crowds. If Jesus were walking the earth today, my friend Wade would be saying, hey, Jesus, can I get a picture with you? You know, it'd be like people would want selfies with Jesus. They would want uh, to, to get their picture made so that they could put it all over social media. But back in the day, without cell phones, Jesus would... He would just attract the crowds because of the words that He was saying, because of the miracles that He was performing. He was always around crowds whenever He was in a public place. And while there are a few times in Jesus' ministry where He withdrew from the crowds and He said, you know, I just need to go away by myself for a little while and recharge or refuel my batteries, for the most part, when Jesus was around a crowd, He he was very accommodating. He he didn't get frustrated or angry. He he was willing to allow the crowd to press in against Him and, and to hear what He had to say and to say it over and over again and to to perform some of the miracles that He performed. And and that's exactly what's happening in our Scripture lesson this morning. Uh, Jesus is out in a remote area, and there's this crowd of people who have thronged around Him, and, and, and they've actually been with Him for three full days hearing Him preach. So St. Mark's people, I want you to take note that Jesus was preaching for three days and people weren't griping and complaining about it. So zip it whenever I go five minutes over next time, okay? <laughs> Jesus has been there three days and He's, he's 
preaching and he's teaching and the crowds are coming around him. And after three exhausting days, you know Jesus might be tempted to be uh, frustrated and angry and tired. And yet, that's not what we're told Jesus is experiencing at all. In fact, we're told that Jesus was experiencing compassion for that crowd. You know, I'd be like... When are they going to leave? Or why won't they just leave me alone? Haven't they seen enough? Haven't they heard enough? But Jesus looks at the crowd and He says, wow, I have compassion for these people. I mean, and they've been around listening to me preach and teach and do miracles for, for three straight days. And some of them have come from a long, long ways away. And, and they're really hungry and And I'm worried that when they leave this place and they begin to make the journey back home, that they might actually faint because they're so hungry and because they're so tired. When I read this text, one of my first questions is, well, why didn't they have enough food? Why didn't they bring food with them? If you're going to be on a journey and you're going to go out to a remote place to see Jesus, why wouldn't you take food with you? But then I think about all the times that I leave the house unprepared. Am I the only one? I mean, last Sunday, for instance, we're after church and we're having the big splash, back-to-school splash outside, and I want a Coke and, and, and I don't have any money. To go get a coke. So, uh, Sean, I got my dollar. Here's your dollar back if you want to. Um, Sean gave me a coat, a dollar for a coat, but I left unprepared. Um, you've done this, haven't you? You've left the house and you're 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 all the way to work, and you realize you forgot your cell phone. And oh my God, who could live without a cell phone nowadays? So you got to immediately go back home and get the cell phone, right? I mean. Uh, that may have been what happened here. They may have left the house with food and they had no idea that they were going to be so enthralled with what Jesus was teaching and preaching and doing that they ended up staying three days. Maybe that's why that they ran out of food when they are encountering Jesus in the Scripture today. Well, what is interesting here about our 12 disciples is that they've already seen and been a part of a situation that looked an awful lot like this one. Just two chapters before, just a few days before in Jesus' life, Jesus is around a crowd of people, and we're told that the crowd is hungry, and so Jesus ends up providing food for 5,000 men, and no telling how many other women and children that were in the crowd that day. You'd think that the disciples, after having experienced that just a few days before, would be prepared when the same sort of situation presents itself in our scripture lesson today. But the disciples, we're told, are fretting because there is no place where they could go and buy enough bread for the crowd that's gathered there that day. It's almost as if these followers of Jesus, these people who are supposed to be closer to Him than anybody else, are looking for a loophole for a reason not to help the crowd instead of looking for an opportunity to help the crowd. Now, Jesus could have just snapped his fingers. Jesus could have just waved a magic wand. Jesus just could have uttered the magic words. And all of a sudden, all of those people would have had their food right in front of them. But that's not what Jesus does in our text this morning. Jesus instead 
asked the 12 followers, his 12 disciples, what do you have? And then Jesus takes what they have and does the rest. Now, the disciples wouldn't have had much. You remember just a few weeks ago when uh, Jesus was sending the disciples out, he, he told them that, uh, that they were to leave behind a lot of what they had. They'd already left their families. They'd already left their jobs to follow Him in the first place. And so I told you a few weeks ago that Jesus was actually the first TSA agent. I mean, He was checking their carry-on luggage. He was saying that there's certain things that you can take with you. There's certain things that you can't take with you. And one of the things that you couldn't take with you was bread. So how in the world can Jesus expect these disciples to to pull together enough resources to feed this crowd? But Jesus seems to be asking them not to worry about that. That if you'll just give me what little you have, and if everybody gives me what little you have, I will take it, I will bless it, I will break it, And I will multiply it. And then Jesus, after doing that, gives the food back to the disciples and tells them to go distribute it to the crowd. Now, I don't want you to miss that point of the story because Jesus could have just given the food to them Himself and made it magically appear. But Jesus wants his closest followers, to be a part of the miracle that he's about to do in the lives of the people in that crowd. And so he asked them to just give what they have. He makes sure that he blesses it and he breaks it, but then he gives it back to those disciples so that they can be part of the miracle that is to come. And it says that everyone in the crowd, is able to eat. Now, it's not a lavish meal. It's just bread and fish. I'd be disappointed if that's all you fixed me when you invited me over. It wasn't a lavish meal. But everybody there was satisfied. And not only were they satisfied, not only was there enough for people to eat, we're told that there was more than enough. That Jesus and the disciples actually collected seven full baskets of leftovers. Now I'm looking at this biblical scholars in front of me, and I know that you know that seven in the Bible is a very symbolic meaning. That, that the number seven means completeness. That the number seven means wholeness. That the number seven means achievement. And so it seems to me that this number is not just been to be a literal number of how much food that they had left over, but it's, it's about how holistically and completely God satisfies our needs. That there's more than enough when God is involved. And so I wonder then, for us gathered here this morning, what's the take home? What are we supposed to glean from this text? A text where we find Jesus in the middle of a large crowd of hungry people. Maybe the take home is that you and I find ourselves also in, a lar- in the middle of a large crowd 
of hungry people. They might be physically hungry. They might be emotionally hungry. They might be spiritually hungry. And I'm not just talking about the people on your pews who were thinking about going to lunch if Tommy would ever be quiet so we could get out of church. I'm talking about smack dab in the middle of this community is a church called St. Mark's. And all around us there are people who are spiritually hungry and emotionally hungry and physically hungry. And in the same way that Jesus, standing in the center of a bunch of hungry people with His closest followers, sought to take care of their hunger, may not Christ be expecting and asking the same of St. Mark's today? Do we, as some of Jesus' closest followers, embody the compassion of the one which we claim to follow and serve. Jesus sensed the hungers of the people around Him, but do the people of St. Mark's sense the hunger of the people around us in our community and in our world? And even if we sense it, are we filled with compassion because of it? Are we filled with concern? Or are we like the disciples looking for a loophole, a reason not to do the feeding? I don't have enough. Even if I gave enough, it would still only be a small dent in what is needed in this community. Or are we willing to give what we have and to pull it together and just wait and see expectantly and boldly that God will use our gifts together to nourish whatever hungers exist around us. Is Jesus asking us what Jesus asked the disciples in our text this morning? What do you have? And will you pull it together to satisfy the hungers that are all around you? Well, I don't know about you, but I get kind of nervous and a little defensive when preacher types start asking me, what do you have? I'm like, it's none of your business. I get frustrated because I feel like there's going to be this big ask lately. You're going to ask me for more money, aren't you, Tommy? You're going to ask me for more time. I'm not going to ask you for anything. I just think it's an important question for every single one of us, the preacher included, to constantly be asking ourselves, what do I have that if I were to give it to God and we were to give collectively to God could be used to satisfy the hungers, physical, spiritual, emotional, all around us. Well, it's so easy to be grumpy and frustrated when you're surrounded by so many needs that feel so overwhelming. Uh, I imagine that it would be easy for us to, to be frustrated with the constant demands that the world places upon us. But Jesus 
invites us to respond with compassion. Jesus invites us to be so moved in our inner being, so deeply moved in our gut, that we are willing to suffer alongside those in the world who are suffering. That we would be willing to draw near to them. That we would be willing to offer what we can and what we have so that their hungers might be met. Jesus was not absent and abs- or absent-minded as he was with those who hungered that day. He was moved with compassion. He wanted his followers to be moved with compassion. He wanted them to offer what they had and that he would use what they had as a blessing. And he wanted to use them as being part of the miracle that he sought to do in the world. And I don't think anything has changed for us today. We too are called to be a part of the miracle that Christ wants to do.